Welcome to the Center for New American Security's National Security Startups podcast series, hosted by Senior Fellow and Director of the Technology and National Security Program, Ben Fitzgerald. Welcome everyone to another installment of our National Security Startups podcast series. We are very fortunate to have Jim Perkins here today. Jim is the Executive Director of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. Um, he's an active duty Army officer, a captain in the Army. Um, and he's also married to an, 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 an army officer. Um, he's based here in the Washington area. He has an MBA from Georgetown University. Um, and in addition to his work with the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, is a co-founder of MilitaryMentors.org. Jim, thanks for joining us. It's really great to be here, Ben. Thank you for having me. So this is going to be a fun conversation for us, um, talking about Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, DEF. It's a little bit different from some of the other startups that we're talking about. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting uh, a slightly different perspective here. Um, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, could you tell us a little bit about what DEF is? Absolutely. Um, so from a very simple standpoint, legally speaking, we're a 501c3. Uh, we uh, were registered uh, last year. But really at our core, we are an innovation engine for the defense enterprise, um, most broadly. Um, we are truly a rapidly growing network of um, defense professionals that uh, seeks to inspire, connect, and empower emerging leaders uh, to have a impact uh, in excess of their rank or duty position through innovation across the defense enterprise. That's what we're all about. Um, we have, um, depending on how you want to measure us, uh, I mean, we are we are military of all ranks, um, all this, all services, and even beyond. You know, so whether it's DHS and other parts, uh, veterans, civilians academics, entrepreneurs, um, anyone who is passionate about improving national security and defense. And at different levels, it's two to 3,000 uh, followers on social media. Our email listserv is somewhere over 1,000. Um, and we have hundreds of people who have come to our different events uh, over the last three and a half years. So the so understanding the, the, sort of the, the network nature of it and, and that mission, uh, clearly there is a large general demand for innovation or a need for innovation across the defense enterprise, but, but why specifically create DEF? What was the problem that you were trying to solve there? So uh, that is a question that I wish I could say I would, I would leave to the actual founders. Um, I, I wasn't one of them, so I'm going to do my best to paraphrase. They're not uh, here, man. You're, in, you're, in, you're in charge. And uh, the, the rest of the founding team. Um, Really, if you go back to the, the article that Ben wrote in Small Wars Journal in uh, 2012 or 2013, mm -hmm. why we need more disruptive thinkers, it comes down to two things. Uh, one, the, the bureaucracy in our organization is preventing the, the impact that disruptive thinkers can have. Innovation improves an organization mm -hmm. um, immensely, and that's what disruptive thinkers are capable of. But moreover, we as an enterprise, we need agile thinkers to become strategic leaders, but what our bureaucracy is consistently done is uh, promoted essentially conformist or career-minded people at uh, instead of people who are disruptively doing something or trying something new. The idea of failure is an option. Mm -hmm. If you're not trying, if you're not failing occasionally, you're not trying hard enough. That's not at all true in the military because if you start, if you even fail a little bit, you're probably off the golden track to promotion yeah. and we need to get around that. So one of the other things that I really appreciate in, in, in the interactions I've had with DEF and, and, and the things that I've seen you guys do is you provide a platform for bottom-up innovation in some ways or in many ways. 
and, and it's not just supporting junior leaders, it's getting ideas from the ground floor up and then provide, providing tools by which um, people can sort of push through and get those ideas seen, seen by senior people, which is just fantastic. Um, one of the other things that, that I'm, I, I think sets you apart or is notable about the organization is that you help support entrepreneurs, which you've talked about, but you're also talking about internal change within the organization. So this isn't about creating a new startup and getting venture capital necessarily. It's about just pushing change inside. So having a startup mentality as much as running an actual startup. And I've seen around your community um, the, the, the use of this term intrapreneur. So could you just explain to us what's the difference between an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur? How does that, what, what, what's the, yeah, the logic there? Ben, this is a, this is a great question. Um, I love talking about it. And it's actually, it goes to back to our, our founding about, you know, even just our name, uh, what we are, deaf. Um, so um, people who understand what entrepreneurs are, entrepreneurs are just a, another unique type of uh, innovator. They they operate just like entrepreneurs, but within a larger organization, especially in a bureaucracy. And that can be a Fortune 500 company um, or the federal government or something similar to that. But entrepreneurship, truly at its core, is a, it's a corporate management style that combines risk-taking with innovation and um, rewards and incentive structures and motivation to continually improve as opposed to just maintaining the status quo um, within a large established organization. So, so, so that's fantastic. Are, are there particular, just digging deeper into this entrepreneur thing, are, are there particular sort of types of people who you see have an entrepreneurial mindset? Is it is it sort of essentially the same thing as being an entrepreneur but being inside an organization, or is there something else there in terms of the types of people who who push these kinds of who push this work? So, um, there, I, I don't necessarily see that there might be a difference in the in the mindset. I think it comes down to understanding how to work best in the in the situation you're in. Yep. Um, people love throwing around the term hacking now, but it's the answer to everything. At, man. at the core of it, hacking is just finding the easiest solution. It's using the least the fewest number of lines of code to get to that unique solution that you wanted and pushing a you know a rock up a hill as opposed to finding a way around it that is hacking um and so hacking within the defense enterprise or being an innovator within the defense enterprise just understanding your environment and you know not giving up but also finding the advocates in the community that will support your ideas to get them through that makes a lot of sense so so in terms of DEF's work, what is it that you guys do to support these entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs? It's, so this is the second question that always comes up. And I, I, this is the part that I love talking about the most because um, we say this about DEF regularly, and I, I personally love saying it. But DEF is best known for our events, but mm -hmm. DEF is not a conference. It's a community, truly. Mm -hmm. um, and DEF as an organization, the 501c3 part of it is just the underpinning structure that supports that, that community. Um, what we do as, a, um, as an organization, um, you know, innovation, it's, it's such a nebulous term. And our mission, as I've said, is about inspiring, connecting, and empowering um, these emerging leaders through innovation. Again, these are not as specific as, as someone might be looking for, but when it comes to why our events are the way they are, it's because of through inspiration, connections, and motivation we, or uh, empowerment, we're able to affect change uh, or 
uh, impact. And by bringing people together, uh, especially and giving the opportunity for emerging leaders to uh, take the stage and have their ideas be heard, as you mentioned, that is really our, our biggest way of doing it. But we have since grown into doing a variety of other things that continue to support that. And so, um, just for, for again for, for any of our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to participate in a in in a Deaf conference or in a Deaf X conference, can you just sort of talk us through what those are, sure. what, where you hold them, and and how are those conferences different from a regular uh, conference? Because I think there are a couple of standout yeah. features there. So I'll, I'll take the second question first, actually, because it's a little bit easier. Um, so the unique thing about Deaf. Um, our conferences are absolutely not like your traditional uh, defense conference. We don't put a bunch of senior leaders on the stage to talk at people. We put junior leaders on the stage to share their ideas with the community, talk through case studies. Um, so it's this mix of we, good entrepreneurs steal from other people. Uh, yeah. Apple steals from other brands. Um, we have stolen the, the greatness in some ways from like a TED conference, um, as well as Startup Weekend and other hackathons. And so usually our events have this mix of plenary, short plenary speakers mm -hmm. and then an afternoon uh, breakout hackathon uh, type of session where people can actually get uh, hard to work trying to tackle a problem. And usually the work continues after the conference. Um, and then, of course, we add in two other great things. Uh, one, our discovery activities, which comes from Clayton Christensen's The Innovator's Dilemma about how you continue to be innovative. And then obviously having great happy hours is just another piece about building the community and continuing to have that, that free flow of ideas. Um, the first question, though, about um, DEF and what we do. So when DEF started, it was the, the first three-day conference uh, in 2013. I think it was Columbus Day weekend in 2013, actually. And 125, 150 uh, emerging leaders came to the University of Chicago, and they tested that prototype like a good lean startup. They, you know, they just had to make sure that they broke even on costs. And yeah. people, uh, it resonated with the, with the participants. And so after that, um, we started to launch these regional DefX conferences. Um, we've had two here in DC. We've had um, others in um, either, uh, the, I think the first one was actually in Annapolis, Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, but we've had a variety across the country and we're continuing to push those out to new markets. But the other big thing that's come out is our what we call agoras, which these are the local communities. So whether it's the Washington, D.C. agora, um, comes from the, the Greek term about an open forum for idea discussion. And think of it as, an, as a combination of what the original disruptive thinkers were doing by meeting monthly and having a, not necessarily a curriculum, but just topics for discussion. But really just this opportunity for disparate parts of the defense network in whatever local area to come together, share their ideas, and really um, have a little bit of therapy um, yeah. to, to talk through their issues. So, and, and that's a great sort of community building set of activities. Um, as I understand it, there's some, some other work that you do in addition to the events. You, you mentioned that um, a, a couple of minutes ago. So what are the other sort of tools you have in your toolbox to support entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in addition to all of the oh. conferences and convenings that you run? Um, so the, the one thing that I didn't... Um, and including that, and this has become a, a staple of what we are all about, is our annual innovation competition as part of our three-day conference. Mm -hmm. So Saturday, Friday and Saturday are those two very similar days, but um, high energy. Um, Sunday is when we, we pivot and we focus on really letting projects that are uh, in the works that need either some additional funding 
um, or senior leader advocacy yeah. to, to really get to that third pillar of our mission about empowering leaders. Our winner last year, um, his project didn't cost any money. He, he built it from some software that they were using at the Naval Academy to teach complex math to midshipmen and was able to create this amazing low-cost flight scheduling software. <laughs> and yet the Navy and the Air Force didn't want it. It was going to... The previous solution was to put, you know, a bunch of officers in a room with some whiteboards and lists of aircraft and personnel and training requirements and spend 12 hours with six people doing this. Or you could click a mouse and 45 seconds later have a, a new schedule. And, oh, someone shows up today and says that they're sick, make a small adjustment, click the mouse again 30 seconds later instead of 12 hours later. I mean, that, that didn't require any money, but... Talk about empowerment. Senior year advocate um, was was that. Well, if the Department of Defense can't spend a large amount of money on expensive software, it's not, not good, right? Yeah, it's no. not good, yeah. <laughs> now that we've got a bit of a sense of sort of who's involved in, in, in DEF, your constituency, and, and the, the sort of services you provide, as it were, could you talk a little bit about your, your business model, how you're structured? I understand you're, the, 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 it's a 501c3, but... How do you do all of your workforce generation? You've got people around all the place. How does that work? So um, first and foremost, DEF has zero paid staff. We are 100% volunteer because mm -hmm. to any senior leader who is listening, there is a incredible amount of latent talent and energy that is untapped where people go home from work at the end of the day ready to give more. Um, I'm going to shout out to Adam Grant here, but the people who are passionate about national security and defense are even more passionate about having an impact in that domain and are able to give more if you give them the opportunity to do it. And that's how DEF is, is making it happen. Um, financially, though, to be very specific, like I said, we started as, a, as another lean startup. You know, that first conference, they just had to break even. Mm -hmm. And so we've always had to prototype and start small, you know, make some small bets and uh, iterate off of that because financially we just... We, we couldn't fail. Yeah. I mean, we were we were tied to ticket sales from an event. We just had to, to make that happen. Um, we've also been incredibly thankful to uh, the University of Chicago for their generous and kind donations. And as we have grown, our model has changed a little bit where we've uh, received some grants from both the Atlanta Council and the Smith Research and Foundation, yep. which is able, has enabled us to scale and go into some areas where um, there wasn't a DEFX conference before, but we needed to build the network there. Um, and to do some other things to more to make our events a little bit more professional in terms of whether it was signage or materials and things like that. And so uh, I think that that's a, it, it's a good model where you can just grow it up um, based on on demand and improving a product and increasing over over, over time. The um, as I understand it as well, you have a chapter model. So we do. I mean, those are the agoras. Okay. Um, but um, one of the things that that we that deaf members or people in this community truly do value is that we, we aren't a paid membership organization. Yep. Um, and only because of the fact that if you look at some of the other professional organizations that are out there, it comes down to the, the value proposition of what am I getting? If, if I pay you $50 for this year of membership, what am I getting? Well, whatever that is right now with what we offer for a lot of people, we are providing that through the events yep. um, and through other things that we could be doing free. And when we are a nonprofit and we truly care about having an impact, it is better to do it free and do it right and be as inclusive and transparent with everyone than to try to 
get a little bit of extra, fleece someone for a little bit of extra money. But what we have found is that there are people who are genuinely passionate about it, who want to personally support even at the $25, $50, $100 level. And um, so that's something that we are continuing, continually trying to support. But our, um, our local networks, the Agoras, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a franchise. It's, that is just us trying to continue to push that community, whether it's Fort Hood or San Diego, you know, just trying to bring innovators together to continue to have that impact. And so, um, so folks who are interested in, in making a positive impact on their community within the national security context can essentially establish their own chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll give a shout out to the Australian Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, which is in the process of setting up. So, so that's something that, that, that they have done of their own volition, not that you've been trying to, um, to, to, to set up sort of in a top-down approach. No. So we are absolutely not top-down at all. And that's been one of the greatest things about how I personally got involved in the organization from the founding team it was we are all about rapid prototyping, failure. We're going to try things, and if they work, great. If they don't, we'll figure out what, what to change. Um, but we're not going to tell you how to do it. We might share some best practices about, hey, we don't want you to recreate the wheel on a, a DefX event. We'll give you some stuff, but we're not going to tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. The Australian network is, has been amazing. Um, the, the, I think it's the Ministry of Defense in Australia. We have a Department of Defense. Department of Defense, yes. but you spell with a C, though. Well, of course, that's how you spell defense. <laughs> Um, they, they have, you know, taken the, the deaf model almost, uh, very, uh, officially, mm-hmm. um, to, to say the least, um, they're hosting their own conference in December. It's a two day one with top down support from, uh, the department of defense. Yeah. Um, the, there's a, a chapter that continues to grow in the UK. Um, and to anyone from Canada, well, disappointed we haven't seen much growth there. <laughs> um, even though you, the Canadian uh, Canadian forces are very closely tied with the Americans, but um, I'm sure that it'll it'll spring up on its own organically mm-hmm. as well. So, w- one other thing that I've seen in terms of the the business model, not so much the business model, but just how you collaborate, is that it's it's social media heavy. Um, is that something that you um, have a strategy for fostering, or is that again just sort of bottom up organic? These are all people who, who their natural mode of collaboration is via social media. How's that sort of come to be the sort of uh, community? So I generally do think it's both. The forum piece of our name actually came from how we started, which was we were an online Facebook forum and, and that still is active. Um, even this morning, people were posting on it already about just other discuss- topics for discussion um, because connecting disparate parts of the network through social media is a free solution that is having an impact. Um, and we have, we have done some things like the events, but at the end of the day, why spend money on something when you can have a near solution, nearly equivalent solution for free. Yep. So free forms of social media, whether it's via Slack, Twitter, Facebook, um, or um, some other um, capabilities. We're just continuing to push that because of the fact that at the end of the day, having an impact, if we can just, whatever is low cost is better for us. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So you've talked a little bit about ways in which um, DEF is, is growing. What else do you have planned? What's, what's next for, for, for DEF in terms of growth and development? Um, one of our biggest things has been through increasing the way that we have that impact. Because 
so what we talked about before was the innovation competition. Um, part of how I got involved in DEF was just being a true believer in everything that it was about. And then even before I'd taken on a real leadership role in the organization, um, you mentioned military mentors and it was, mm -hmm. I saw a problem and I wanted to address it. So I decided to, to do something about it. But um, not everyone in the organization wants to go down that road. Mm -hmm. We have plenty of energy and talent that is able to crash on a problem. Mm -hmm. And last year we were incredibly fortunate to have a senior advocate in uh, Mr. Brad Carson, mm -hmm. who gave us the opportunity to um, do some incredible work, um, what we ended up calling the F5 report or the, um, the force of the future from the force of the future. Yep. Um, 80 page report that ended up going to Dr. Carter uh, to be sort of included in the recommendations that, that ended up being rolled out as the force of the future over the last nine months. Um, and it's, other, it's through other projects like that where we really want to continue to expand with senior leaders and advocates who have, who have projects that they want junior leaders to be giving them the better answer. Because asking a, a lot of mid and senior grade leaders or having that, um, that um, gateway, the um, people who are blocking and filtering the idea flow is preventing senior leaders from actually getting the bottom up ideas that they are asking for. Yeah. Um, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot by, by asking an 06 or so to, or an 05 to engage with us. And so we cut out the middlemen. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's been our biggest area of what we are trying to grow um, and doing a few other things I think that are in the works to really improve because at the end of the day we are, we are all about the people. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to empowering, both giving them this, more skills to have an impact, but more opportunities for impact as well. And so those are the two areas that we were really trying to expand. That's great. So a, a lot of what we've covered in the last few minutes has been um, positive and aspirational. I, I assume that there are a number of significant challenges in making this happen, not just um, the, the overall challenge of how do you innovate in the Department of Defense, which most of us who are listening to this have suffered through. Um, but what are the primary challenges you're facing from a deaf perspective in terms of sort of creating that vision that you just laid out? So um, one thing has not changed since we were founded. Um, the institutional concrete um, and the bureaucracy hasn't really changed all that much. Um, what what was existed three years ago is mostly still there. Um, the phrase, it is what it is, still yeah. <laughs> echoes through the Pentagon and other military units consistently. Um, that's not how we've always, that's how we've always done it. Yeah. Um, and just this, um, this cliff retirement system that causes this career-mindedness in senior leaders who refuse to take risks, um, those are all barriers to us having impact. Um, but we just continue to grow our network um, and build our, um, our um, confederation of senior leaders who are advocates for us, who want to give us opportunities to, to have an impact mm -hmm. um, because we're offering solutions that are low or no cost to them. Um, but on that note, the other barrier to us to, as we scale, unfortunately, um, as we try to grow, the reason that we don't have, or part of the reason why we don't have paid staff or why our business model has, has grown slowly over the years is because of the fact that our core constituency is mostly active duty military um, or currently serving military in one way or another, and a lot of federal employees. Federal pay and active duty military pay 
is not all that great in some cases. So we, we don't exactly have this like high price business model that um, you know ticket sales aren't five hundred dollars; they're right. hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and so um, really trying to find advocates and sponsors uh, and, and donors who want to continue, who believe in what we are believing in, and mm-hmm. want to continue to give us support the way the Atlanta Council and Smith Richardson Foundation have. Um, those are probably our two primary ones. Yeah, and, and I think that, that that sort of leads to a logical next question. You've answered part of that, part of that already. But what's the additional support that Def needs, either from your network or from others? Clearly, sponsorship will growing sponsorship will help make a big difference. Sponsorship will, yep. but um, as I'm sh- sure you and many other people know, you know, asking for money to offer free events is not a sustainable business model. And as <laughs> yes, much as we would love to have true. sponsors, believe me, it's not we're turning them away, but we know that we have to make a sustainable business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need help getting there. Yep. Um, the other piece of it is, is truly, at the end of the day, what we need are more senior leader advocates who want to engage with junior and mid-grade readers and hear what their ideas are or let them tackle a problem with a different perspective. Yep. Because... You know, whether you're a senior reader who has been hearing the push for red teams over the last 50 years, yeah. um, and we, you know, whether we institutionally say that it's going to happen and then just fail to actually implement it in a meaningful way, whatever it is, DEF fills this in a, in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. And we have people who passionately want to, to improve this enterprise. They just need to be directed and we need to operationalize some of the, the energy and the, the problem sets that we were trying to look at. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I guess my final question then after all of that is ultimately what, what does success look like for DEF? Um, honestly, as an organization that is tied, you know, tied to having an impact, continuing to improve and be a part of the, the meaningful improvement of the defense enterprise, that is what it is, it is all about. Every every output is great, but success for the organization is really about changing a culture within the the, the Department of Defense, changing the um, the risk aversion, the anti intellectualism, the ability to see ourselves differently and to to accept failure. Mm-hmm. Um, culture change is really where where winning comes from, or success comes from. It's a it's a big task, but we don't have to achieve the next six months. Um, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to come over and speak with us today. Thanks also to you and all of the other people who are involved in DEF for for doing the work that you do, and and best of luck for everything moving forward. Thank you so much, Ben. To hear more from the National Security Startup Series, go to startups.cnas.org or search for CNAS on iTunes or SoundCloud.